Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 2000, Aisha Degree was a busy and active fourth grader living in Shelby, North Carolina. Aisha especially enjoyed playing basketball that year, and she was really, really good at it. Her future was bright. Not only was she growing into a standout athlete, she was also an excellent student and was getting very good grades. Aisha, who lived with her mom, Aquila, dad, Harold, and older brother, O'Brien, did not have access to computers or the internet. Her mom wanted her children to be raised without those outside influences. By all accounts that year, Aisha was a happy child and had a stable family life. On Valentine's Day, Monday, February 14th, 2000, when Aquila went to wake Aisha up for school, she found that she wasn't in her bed. She then woke up O'Brien to ask if he knew where she was, but he did not. The family quickly searched the home, the yard, and even called their grandmother and their aunt who lived next door. But still, no Aisha. Aisha has not been seen or heard from since. Where is Aisha Degree? Welcome back to another unsolved missing persons case. In this story, the case of a missing child, taking us back to Valentine's Day in the year 2000. Thank you so much for being here, for listening to these stories, for sharing these stories, and for doing everything that we all can as a community to help these stories get more attention. Who was Aisha Degree in February of 2000? Aisha was a very ambitious and competitive child. She wanted to be good at everything that she did. And for the most part, even though she was only nine years old, she was. She tried hard and practiced at everything from sports to schoolwork to church activities. Aisha was an excellent student and as a fourth grader was excelling. Aisha recently joined basketball and she just happened to be her team's star point guard. Those who knew Aisha said it was exciting to watch her grow because they knew that whatever she took on, she would be good at, or she would at least work super hard to be as good as she could be. Aisha lived in a duplex home in Shelby, North Carolina with her mom, Aquila, dad, Harold, and brother, O'Brien. Her grandmother and aunt lived across the street, so Aisha had a lot of family close by. Aisha's family was also very devoted to church. They attended every Sunday without fail, and Aisha was very involved in her church group as well. She really enjoyed Sunday school, and the family never missed a day. Aquila, Aisha's mother, had also decided to raise Aisha and O'Brien without the influence of the internet and electronics. She wanted Aisha to be a kid, and she wanted her to be safe from those outside influences. 
Aquila wanted her children to enjoy reading, quiet time, and playing outside as opposed to sitting on a computer. All in all, life seemed happy and stable for Asia in 2000. On February 11th, 2000, Asia, who was in fourth grade, and O'Brien, who was just a year older, did not have school that day. Since their parents had to work, the nine and 10 year old stayed with their grandmother and their aunt, who happened to live right across the street from the degrees. Their grandmother will remember that day and will talk about how it was just a normal day that she watched the kids often and nothing unusual at all happened. That evening, once Aquila got home from work, she would take both Asia and O'Brien to their basketball practices. Sunday, February 12th, 2000. Asia had her first basketball game this day. She was so excited and she began the game giving it her all, as she always did. She was the point guard and she was one of the stars of the team. It would be a very close game and in the fourth quarter, Asia fouled out. The team went on to lose the game by just one point and Asia took it really hard. She blamed herself and her mom talked about how devastated Asia was for the majority of the rest of the day. Not only was Asia disappointed in herself, but she was sad and felt that she let her team down. And this just goes to show what a dedicated child Asia was at nine years old. The rest of the day, the family hung out at home. While Asia moped around for a bit, Aquila said her daughter would pet back up in the evening. She wasn't too worried because that's just how Asia was. She took things to heart because she worked so hard at everything, but she also bounced back quickly. Sunday, February 13th, 2000. The degrees went to church as they always did. Asia went to Sunday school and she had a great time, which she chatted about to her family afterwards. It seemed the drama from the basketball game the day before had completely subsided. Asia was back to her happy, bubbly, excited self. Later on towards the evening time, Harold had to leave for work. He was working two jobs during this time and he would be gone for several hours. Aquila said that she spent the evening with O'Brien and Asia, and both kids were really tired that night. They'd had a busy weekend, and they wanted to go to bed around 8 p.m. Asia and O'Brien shared a bedroom in their two-bedroom duplex, but it seemed to be working out for the time being. That night, Shelby, North Carolina, got hit with a massive thunderstorm, and the power was going in and out throughout the entire night. Asia was able to finally fall asleep, but Asia hated storms and her mom knew it. So she checked on her a couple of times before going to bed herself. I want to add some reports say that the power outage was due to a car accident in the neighborhood and whatever the real cause of power outages were that night, it doesn't change two important facts. Number one, there was power outages happening. And number two, there were massive thunderstorms that night. Now, Harold got home from work around 1230 a.m. He said because of the weather and the power outages, he walked around the house to check on everything, including the kids, and noted that they were both fast asleep in their beds. He stayed up for a couple of more hours to make sure that the power stayed on and just to wind down himself. And then it was around 230 a.m. when he said he finally went to bed checking on the kids one last time before turning in. Both kids were fast asleep. 
The Disappearance. Monday, February 14th, 2000. This was a special day. Not only was it Valentine's Day, but it was also Aquila and Harold's 12th wedding anniversary. Aquila woke up that morning around 6 a.m. She went to wake O'Brien and Aisha up for school around 6.30 a.m. She poked her head in the room as she always did, calling out to them, and O'Brien lifted his sleepy head, but she saw no movement come from Aisha's bed. So she went closer and realized, to her surprise, that Aisha wasn't in bed. Her bed was empty. While she was definitely startled to find Aisha's bed empty, she also immediately did not think the worst. Maybe Aisha had already gotten up. Maybe she was in the kitchen or maybe she was in the bathroom. Aquila walked around the home calling out for Aisha. And when she couldn't find her anywhere in the house, she began calling her name louder and louder. And soon Harold woke up. When he realized that Aisha was missing, he told Aquila to call his mom across the street and see if maybe for some reason Aisha had gone over there. But she had not. Both Harold and Aquila were in a total panic and they immediately called the Shelby police, who responded right away, even bringing search dogs with them right off the bat. I don't always say this because we don't always see this type of response from law enforcement. But Shelby law enforcement acted just like we would hope any police department would react in the case of a missing child. Everyone had expected to find Aisha somewhere. But nine-year-old Aisha Degree had disappeared. The Search As I mentioned, law enforcement came out gangbusters. Some started talking to neighbors while others searched the house and talked to the family. They had narrowed down a timeline of her disappearance to happening between 2.30 a.m. when her dad last saw her and 6.30 a.m. when her mom went to wake her up. Something had happened between 2.30 and 6.30 a.m. Of particular interest to officers was talking to O'Brien. He, after all, shared a bedroom with Aisha. O'Brien said that he did remember hearing Aisha's bed squeak sometime during the night, but he figured she was either rolling over or maybe going to the bathroom. He didn't get up. He doesn't even remember opening his eyes. And I'm sure sharing a small room together, they just kind of learned to tune out the little noises like that. He also really had no idea what time that was. Officers searched the house and they looked for anything out of the ordinary or any signs of a possible break-in, but there were none. Friends, family, and neighbors all came together that day. They canceled plans. They called into work. Everyone was searching for Asia. As the word of the missing nine-year-old spread through the town, a few different people came forward saying, that they saw a young girl that fit Aisha's description walking down the highway between 3.45 and 4.15 a.m. One man in particular said that he turned around and went back to see if he could offer her any help. He recognized that this was a very young girl and she didn't look dressed for the storm that she was walking through. And it was 4 a.m. 
And when he went back to talk to her, he rolled his window down, but the girl got scared and darted off into the woods. He said he had seen her walking along Highway 18. She was wearing a long-sleeved white t-shirt and white pants. He also said he drove by a few times to see if he could spot her, but he couldn't. He also noted that there was a raging storm going on outside, which remember, Aisha was terrified of storms. A couple of other reports came in from motorists saying that they saw that girl, a girl walking down the highway at that time. All the reports said that they saw this girl on the same area of the highway, giving more credibility to all of their statements. Sheriff Dan Crawford was quoted as saying, quote, We're pretty sure it was Asia because the descriptions they gave are consistent with what we know she was wearing, end quote. What's kind of interesting to me about all of these sightings is that no one called the police until after they had heard about Asia's disappearance. And I really don't understand that. A nine-year-old girl walking along a highway at 4 a.m. in the morning during a storm and not properly dressed for it and no one called the police, but no one did. At least until morning when reports of Asia started swirling around and hitting the TV news stations. And yet law enforcement does believe these sightings are credible. Searches that day were pretty intense despite the weather. The only item that they found was a girl's mitten, but Aquila and Harold said that they did not believe it belonged to Asia. The search dogs that they used that day also did not pick up any scent of Asia either. Now, the parents were looked fairly closely at, as this is the case with any missing children reports. They were both given polygraphs, which they reportedly passed, and they were very cooperative with investigators. Neither Aquila nor Harold was ever considered a suspect or even a person of interest. The next day, February 15th, Searchers who were concentrating on the area where Aisha was seen running into the woods did find some items in a shed that was located on the property of a nearby business. They found some candy wrappers, markers, a pencil, and a Mickey Mouse hair bow. Aquila did confirm that those items did indeed belong to her daughter. On February 16th, Aquila realized that Aisha's favorite pair of jeans were missing along with another one of her shirts. This would lead investigators to believe that Aisha purposefully ran away from home. She must have packed a bag, intentionally taking these items with her. But why? Aisha seemed happy. There weren't any family problems, and Aisha wasn't mad about anything, at least that her parents were aware of. It just didn't make any sense. Plus, Aisha was terrified of storms. What would prompt her to run away in the middle of the night during a storm. On February 22nd, after over 300 leads were investigated and followed up on, all of which led detectives nowhere, the mass local search for Asia was called off, but investigators never stopped looking for her or working on her case. Aquila and Harold worked the media rounds in the months that followed, not only appearing on local television, but also appearing on the Montel Williams show and even the Oprah Winfrey show. Authorities continued to believe that Aisha ran away and something happened to her afterwards. She either became lost or someone abducted her. 
Many people believe that she had to have been lured out of her home by someone because there was just no reason for Aisha to run away. Now, Aisha certainly wouldn't be the first child to run away from home, but most end up coming right back after a short time or they are found. The fact that Aisha was terrified of storms is questioned a lot as well. Would she really have left during the middle of the night of her own accord when it's dark and stormy outside? Or was she possibly supposed to meet someone? The case went cold, although detectives and family continued to search and never really considered it a cold case. It wasn't until August 3rd, 2001, a year and a half after Asia went missing, that investigators caught a break. A contractor working in Burke County, about 26 miles from where Asia was last seen in Shelby, dug up a black garbage bag that had been buried. Inside the bag was another black garbage bag that held a backpack. That backpack was confirmed to be Aisha's. The contents of the backpack, however, were pretty mysterious. There was a New Kids on the Block t-shirt or nightshirt, which did not belong to Aisha. There was a Dr. Seuss book, which Aisha's parents had never seen before either. And that book was actually from Aisha's school library. And while police are being tight-lipped about this, it was learned that it was not checked out by Aisha. Even with the discovery of the backpack, the police found no new evidence as to where Aisha was or what may have happened to her that night. Theories Theory number one, Aisha ran away on her own. The runaway theory is a viable one, even though it doesn't make sense it does. There were no signs of breaking and entering. Asia planned ahead as she had packed a backpack. She was seen all alone walking along a highway. It looks like a runaway situation by all accounts, at least from the outside. Because Asia was just nine years old, no one believes that Asia has continued to be a runaway at this point. While it may have started out that way, Something might have happened to her. Perhaps someone abducted her after seeing her walking. Although, if you ask me, that would be quite a crime of coincidence, especially in Shelby, North Carolina. Or she had some type of accident. Something that happened to her that would have kept her from coming back home. Interestingly, in school, she had just read a book called The Whipping Boy by Sid Fleischman. This book tells the story of a young boy who runs away from home. Some people suggested that maybe she was motivated by the book to run away for some reason. Theory number two. Aisha was groomed by someone else and lured out of her house. This theory seems very possible also. Did someone Aisha know promise something to her? convince her that she had to meet them in the middle of the night? They must have promised her something great to get her out in the middle of a storm. Her family was investigated and cleared, and remember, Aisha had no access to the internet to have any connections with anyone there. But she was very active in her church and school. Could it have been someone she knew from there? Or maybe even someone she knew through her family? Not necessarily an immediate family member, but maybe a friend of a family member or maybe a neighbor. 
It's a scary thought, but it's possible. Something got Aisha out of her house that night. And then it is quite odd that someone took the time to double bag and bury her backpack instead of destroying it or just throwing it away, disposing it of somewhere else. Or did someone just find it and take it for themselves? It's also crazy that no one has come forward to claim the items in the backpack as theirs. Whose New Kids on the Block shirt was that? Why was it in Aisha's bag? As the years went on, there would be some strange connections that would arise in Aisha's case. In January of 2014, almost a full 14 years after Aisha went missing, detectives arrested a Spartanburg, South Carolina man named Donald Preston Ferguson for the murder of seven-year-old Shalanda Poole. Shalanda had been murdered back in 1990, but Ferguson wasn't identified as a suspect until 2014 through DNA. He had been arrested and served time for assaulting another 10-year-old girl prior, and he had served six years in prison. He was released for that crime in 1997, and it wasn't until 2014 that he was arrested again, this time for the murder of Shalanda. Detectives noted the similarities in Shalanda's case to Aisha's. Shalanda had shared a room with her sister. Shalanda had gone missing in the early hours of the morning. Shalanda's body was found the next day, bound and gagged, however, having suffered multiple stab wounds. Donald Ferguson did ultimately plead guilty to Shalanda's murder, but he denied any involvement in Aisha's. Investigators have now said they have ruled him out as a suspect. Another viable new lead was made public in May of 2016. Police released a statement claiming that it is possible Aisha was seen getting into a dark green 1970s Ford Thunderbird or a Lincoln Continental Mark IV with rust along the wheel wells. Police have not given any more details on this lead. Since then, there have been no real additional solid leads. Investigators continue to work this case, even involving the FBI and the North Carolina Bureau of Investigations. Little Asia disappeared on Valentine's Day from Shelby, North Carolina, and the town has dubbed Asia Shelby's sweetheart. The case of Asia Degree is still open and active. What do you think happened to little Asia? Asia in 2000 was a nine-year-old girl. She is described as being a black female, four foot six inches tall and weighing around 60 pounds at the time of her disappearance. She has black hair and brown eyes. Asia often wore her hair in pigtails. This case is now 24 years old. Aisha would be 33 years old today. If you have any information about the whereabouts of Aisha Degree or what may have happened that night in Shelby, North Carolina, please call the tip line at 704-672-6100 or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. Thank you so much for listening to Asia's story today. Please continue to share her case, her name, her face, any way that you can. Someone out there has to know something. Asia was only nine years old when she disappeared.
Please make sure you are following us over on the socials. All of those links will be in the show notes. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, X, and YouTube. If you are interested in supporting the show, you can do so simply by sharing these episodes, by following us on social media, by following and subscribing to our podcast, and by leaving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. All of this can help these cases reach more people. If you'd like to join us over on Patreon, you can join our detective group over there for just $3 a month. There you can get ad-free episodes and bonus episodes. You'll find that link in the show notes as well. I always welcome all feedback and case suggestions. You can always hit me up on social media or send me an email over to canwefindthem at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening to Little Asia's story today. We will be back again very soon with another unsolved missing persons case. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.